0: As an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, how can you ensure the success of your business and your quality of life? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. This program will help you to identify and make necessary changes in your life and your business. You'll find the challenges that you're facing and solutions in the examples of lifelong business owners who have entrepreneurship in their DNA. You'll also learn from experts who've transformed their mindset and skills to become industry leaders. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi.
1: Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. I'm excited to welcome Julie Broad to the show. Having built prosperous careers in both real estate investing and self-publishing, Julie educates others about how to be successful in these areas. She also brings the vantage point of deliberately structuring her work life to accommodate her role as a mom. We're going to discuss Julie's professional path as a way of illustrating best practices in entrepreneurship, and the services she offers might align with some of your interests. Julie, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thanks so much for having me, Hamda.
1: I'd love for you to share about your entrepreneurial journey and how you wind up arriving at educating others about real estate investing and self publishing.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it it's um It's not a straight path, but I'll give you the condensed version. So real estate started for me in 2000. I had just graduated from my undergrad and had taken a job working for Kimberly Clark, selling Huggies and Kotex and Kleenex and all those kind of brands. And as much as the job was actually really fun, I kept thinking it's going to be a long life of working for somebody else. And I ended up being referred to Rich Dad, Poor Dad which is a book I'm sure everyone is very familiar with. and But it's also a book that I I always tell people, you know, a, a single book can change somebody's life. So, your book could be that book for somebody. So, you never, you know, I always encourage people, if you feel like you should write a book, you probably should because it could be that one that changes people's life. And for me, dad, poor dad changed my life because I was on a career path. Even though I'd always had an entrepreneurial drive, I'd always You know, I grew up with parents in a small business, um, and so, you know, I I actually didn't see somebody in a career, but that's where I I was on this career path, and so, uh, I kind of looked around and and thought, you know, I should get into real estate, it'll be a good plan B, it'll be a good backup plan, and so, I took the money that I had saved uh, for going back to school to do my MBA, Uh, I took that and I put it into uh, two properties. And, and convinced my boyfriend at the time to partner with me. Uh, so we had more money to work with between the two of us. And, uh, and that's how I got started with real estate. I still did go to, to school and do my MBA. I just uh, got student loans for that because it was quite easy to get student loans, not so easy to get bank financing and, and down payment money. Uh, and both of us really liked it. And so we kind of went full, full, full bore into it and bought five more properties um, before I was done school. And, uh, and then just kept going. And by 2008, I, you know, had a new job and I was, you know, still on the career path, but it continued real estate investing. And I just hit a point where it was, you know, I couldn't work for anybody else anymore. Uh, and I, I decided to quit. It was terrible timing because if you know, If you know the history of the real estate market, 2008 was pretty much the absolute worst time to quit your job and fall back on real estate. And my boyfriend, who had just become my husband that year, he was a mortgage broker. So his 100% of his income was determined by commissions uh, on real estate deals when the banks weren't lending any money at all. So he was making nothing. (laughs) And here I am going, I can't work (laughs) in this job anymore. So it was, it was a journey from that point, but we really went as hard as we possibly could to build a real estate training and education company, as well as continue to grow our real estate investment business. And we started buying a house a month at that time and raised millions of dollars to do that. And uh, and it was through all of those adventures, because there were many, many along the lines, uh, I, I wrote my first book. And in that book, I wrote it. It's kind of funny because the the concept that I had in mind, the publisher, I was working initially with Wiley going back and forth. And they said, no, you know, that's been done before. Everybody's written general real estate books. We need something more niche. And we went back and forth on a niche topic that they picked. And in the end, they actually said, oh, no, you know, the marketing department doesn't think you're going to be able to sell books. Like they said that I didn't have a strong enough platform to sell books. And this is something I think a lot of people need to know is traditional publishers, they're really just going to leverage your list. Like all they care about is how you can sell books for them. (laughs) So that's all they want. People think traditional publishers are what they need so they can sell, the the publisher will sell the books. No, you have to sell it. And so they turned me down because they didn't think I was going to be able to sell enough books. So I eventually self-published. And I wrote the book that I originally wanted to write um, because it was the real stories of investing in real estate, not how to get rich or any of that. It was, you know, maybe you don't even want to invest in real estate. And this book uh, that, you know, from an author that Wiley said wasn't going to be able to sell books, uh, it went to number one overall on Amazon. So, I was ahead of Dan Brown, ahead of the Game of Thrones series as a print book, um, sitting at number one. So, It was pretty, it was pretty fun (laughs) to be rejected and to have to recover from that rejection and, and then to, you know, top pretty much any real estate niche book they've ever published. So, um, but through that, because of that success, a lot of people started asking me questions about book publishing and, Little bit by bit, I kind of got into helping a lot of people just on the side, just for fun. You know, my friends that were being traditionally published as well as ones that were self-publishing and some clients that I was coaching in the real estate space. I was helping them with their books, Um, but it was never never my intent for it to be my business because I was a real estate investor. But a lot of things happened and the biggest being we decided to move to the US because my husband was pursuing a career as an actor and I was going to be a mom. And I looked around at what I was doing as a coach and, and a real estate education and trainer and I realized that um, you know, if I wasn't working, I wasn't making money and I didn't want to have a business where it was so reliant on me as a mom. I wanted to be able to be there uh, for my son and, and so I thought, what can what kind of business can I create? where I am not the expert. I'm not the one that uh, has to be doing all the work for our clients and, and it was kind of like that little kid tugging on your jacket trying to get attention. You know, it was like I was ignoring this self-publishing stuff, you know, even though I loved it and I helped people for free for years and I even shot a bunch of YouTube videos about it but I just kind of kept ignoring that little kid tugging on my jacket um, thinking I'm a real estate investor. But finally, I kind of looked over there and I thought, oh, of course, <laughs> I can hire all of the best people to do the work on other people's books and I can oversee it. I have to miss a day to be with my son. You know, everybody else is taking care of my clients, so it doesn't matter. And uh, and that's, you know, the the journey of where I am today.
1: So many learning points in that story.
2: I know it's hard. It's hard to condense it, too, because I'm like, well, I, I'm skipping over this and this is really juicy. And but, you know, hopefully that gives it gives everyone a good sense. And now you can ask questions wherever you want to dive in.
1: What was it about Rich Dad Poor Dad that that for you was such a catalyst?
2: Me, it just changed my mindset. So at that point, like I, I was I was really kind of thinking of, you know, how do I make more money? And, I liked the concept of uh, getting your money working for you. And that's really what kind of shifted my entire mindset was was how can I get my money working for me so I'm not always working hard for my money. And, and that was really what drove me to real estate because I could do real estate on the side. It didn't require my full-time attention. Um, and that was really the, the pivot point for me. Uh, and it's funny because I actually had a – I was so deeply into that book that I was a little bit devastated when I found out that it's – it's largely a fable, right? Like there's no actual rich dad. (laughs) It's based on someone. um, But it's, you know, the story's not true. And so I was a little devastated because I was so deeply ingrained in that. And it did so much for me, but I still appreciate the book (laughs) for what it did.
1: It's like the placebo effect.
2: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't really matter if it's true or not. But yeah, it's kind of funny when you you believe in something deeply, and then you find out it's not true. And it's like, what? it kind of throws you for a loop. But yeah, it's still, I'm still deeply grateful, because the book did open my eyes to a new perspective.
1: And sometimes you need that carrot when you think about the experiences you've had in life. So many of us will say that if we knew what was on the other side, we never would have traveled that path, because it was so challenging. But then you wind up feeling grateful that you did and grateful that you didn't know what you were up against.
2: Exactly. It's kind of like why I always tell people, you know, I, I say, don't ever ask me like, where I'm going to be in five years, because I never would have predicted that I'm going to be here today. Because you just don't, you really don't know what kind of opportunities are going to be put in front of you.
1: <laughs> and your story very clearly is an illustration of connecting the dots. When you take a look at the interest that you have, what propelled you, you somehow had real estate on your radar. And how did you wind up making choices about your investments, is there any advice that you can give in terms of how you actually chose the properties that you chose and why they were successful?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, and a lot of them weren't successful, which is why my book was so good, because I talk about the things that went wrong and the poor decisions we made and how, you know, almost all of the nightmares we experienced were preventable. I put some of the best advice into that book. It's called More Than Cash Flow. But I think the best, like the absolute best and most important advice I could offer anyone is to think about the life you want to create first, and then figure out what real estate strategy is going to work for you, and then go and learn from somebody who's doing it. And if you do that, you'll avoid so many of the mistakes that you make otherwise. And and the biggest mistake we made was we got into real estate. Well, I got into real estate and then dragged my boyfriend into it, um, which thankfully, he actually loves it more than I do. (laughs) But at the time, you know, you never know know if these things are going to work out. Uh, but yeah, so I dragged Dave into it. And, uh, and you know, it was, we kind of got into it with, like I said, it was a plan B. You know, it was, it was it, for me, it was to create freedom in the future so I didn't have to work for somebody else if I didn't want to or so that I had options because I knew so many people that were extending their retirement years because they didn't have enough money for retirement. Pensions that they were counting on weren't there. And so, I wanted that freedom. But what happened was we bought properties. We ended up with properties in six different cities in Canada. I'm Canadian, if I didn't mention that already originally. I live in Los Angeles now, but I'm Canadian. And so, all these all these adventures we've talked about were in Canada before I moved to Los Angeles. So, we ended up with property in six different cities in Canada. We had all kinds of Types of properties from six plexes to two units to single family homes. And it was just impossible to have any sort of system because we were so spread out. And so we were just chasing any kind of deal that we could do for low money down and no bank financing in the end. And it was just a mess. And if I thought about it, it was the worst thing we could have done because we created the opposite of freedom. We were so entrenched and, and constantly firefighting with all our properties Later, when we realized, hey, we were going in the opposite direction from where we wanted to be, we completely changed our strategy and got a a handle on things. But yeah, so think about the life you want to create, the life you want to live, and the kind of problems you're okay having, because every choice you make is going to have problems. So think about the ones that you're more comfortable solving and build your plan around that.
1: It sounds like one of your success strategies is being able to identify where you got off track and regroup.
2: Yeah. I think if anybody listening is an entrepreneur, they'll, they'll relate to that because that's pretty much your entire life as an entrepreneur is making a mess of things and then fixing it and, and getting better. And and if you're mm. not doing that, then you're not growing. You're you're probably not building a growing business. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's how I look at things is I got to go make problems and solve them and then create new problems. <laughs> and that's my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it keeps you going, right?
2: Yeah, that and if you're not doing it, you're not like you're you're not you're not going to be growing, and that's a problem. Like things might be okay today, but what about in two years? So, yeah, you always want to have different problems than you had before, and uh, and learn new ways to solve them. So, yeah, I'm pretty good at making a mess of things, and then I'm pretty good at figuring out how to solve, you know, how to fix it and move forward from there.
1: <laughs> you talked about saving money for your MBA and using those resources, and also the context in which you started the real estate investment in 2008 with the messy circumstances in the financial markets. So what advice would you give people on being able to optimize the use of what they have to start making investments so that they can generate more cash to make more investments?
2: Well, I think the the first thing is to know that nothing's ever going to be perfect, right? You're never going to have the perfect amount of money. You're never going to have the perfect amount of time. Like You're never going to have the perfect amount of knowledge to do whatever it is that you want to do. So you just have to start taking action. And sometimes that action means you have to change your spending habits and save more money so that you can do the kind of investing you want. And other times it means you need to find the right people to work with, to either learn how to do it with what you've got or something like that. So it's all about resources. And I've never been one to want to throw money at problems i always want to try to find a you know a more creative solution to it sometimes. But sometimes you really do just have to save money and improve your financial situation. But whatever it is, you just have to take action and take the next step that you can see um, because it's never going to be completely clear and completely perfect. I love the analogy. Somebody said it to me once was, you know, when you decide you need to go to the grocery store to get groceries, you don't sit on the couch and kind of think about, OK, when is when are all the lights going to be green and then they'll go. Right. You just get in your car and you go. And if you, you know, if there's if there's a traffic accident, you take a detour. And if there's a red light, you stop and you wait a while, and you need to approach whatever it is, like whether it's your investing or your businesses or even your career, like that. Like, just get in the car and start going and deal with what comes. You know, know where your destination is, but you're going to have to deal with things that you didn't expect.
1: Along those lines, as you were thinking about being a mom and making your cash work for itself, how did you wind up structuring your businesses?
2: I ended up winding down my real estate training and education company. And what I did was I licensed out the courses that I had spent years building in all across Canada. I ended up licensing them out. So, there's people in Canada now that uh, that actually have all, they now own those courses and they teach them. So, that was how I wound down that business and still, because it wasn't one that could really sell. A challenge, of course, when you build a business around yourself and your knowledge is it's hard to sell. But the courses had information, you know, they had value. They had a brand recognition. So, they, they had value. So, That was kind of the step one was to try and extract as much value from the work I had already done um, without requiring me to be the one doing it. So, licensing the courses was that plan. Um, Our real estate portfolio is still intact and it's still, you know, it's still sending us cash and we're selling some of the properties to actually fund getting things going down here in, in Los Angeles. But the big thing, the big decisions was around book launchers, my company now and really like i said the key the key point for me was that i didn't want to be the one that has to do the work day to day that doesn't mean i'm not working my butt off cuz anybody who runs a company knows that you're you you have to work really hard to make sure you've got the right people on the team that you're getting the word out about what your company does that you know you have a good marketing funnel and all those kind of pieces and that the clients are being you know very very well taken care of but on a day to day basis i mean i'm not i'm not the expert in books just because i've had a couple of books that have had some success there's still so much to know. So I've hired the best possible people who've worked in every part of the whole book publishing uh, process. And they're the ones that work with our clients every day. And so that allows me more freedom to not have to be there. Like I'm not letting a client down if I don't show up for work tomorrow. You know, I'm not letting the client down if I take Friday off and work Sunday instead. You know, it's, it's completely flexible to me still. And that was really, really important was that, you know, I wasn't going to be letting clients down because as a coach, uh, it was really hard to take time off even because I didn't want my, one of my clients to have a crisis and not be able to reach me. And that was a really tough place. But, you know, when you set yourself up to not be the person that is the one that has all the knowledge, uh, then, then you're in a much more flexible position.
1: And you have also the big picture perspective, having been through all of this, and it seems as though you've put together a team of subject matter experts to be able to walk someone through the entire process.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're way better at this than I am. Like, I, you know, we have a couple writing coaches and the main writing coach for our company, he's, he's an Emmy, uh, Emmy nominated writer and he took a computer book and turned it in. He pitched it to a TV network and they accepted it and it, it turned into a seven year running TV series that he wrote and starred in. And he also did stand up comedy and he used to own a software company. So he's got like a really diverse background and he comes at these book ideas and he just comes up with great ideas for our clients, you know, and all our clients. I get all these emails from our clients going you know he, i'm so excited about my book idea i never realized that i had this really cool niche that i could stand out in or i never I, I would have never thought of this hook on my own and so that's really fun to to have those kind of people on your team and it carries on you know i have somebody who worked with a new york Times best-selling author she does a lot of our book marketing for our clients and and it's funny because she just had a baby so she's just coming back from maternity leave and, and the client that she used to work for uh, he was he was a little relieved when she told him that you know she was pregnant and was going to move on because she she did her, her job so well he was booked for 100 I think 172 or 143 I think was what it was speaking gigs in 2016 and he was exhausted because <laughs> she did her job so well she got him out there <laughs> to so many places and, and and so that's just the kind of people it's it's so fun to have that kind of people around you.
1: It is incredible, because as you were talking, I was thinking, wow, sometimes people think, well, how can I get such an incredible team of people together? What would be the inducement for people to come? You wind up discovering that there are so many wins all around. So what advice would you give along those lines? And then I want to delve more into the whole process, because we have some listeners, I'm sure, who are interested in self-publishing, so I want to talk a little bit more about what it's like to work with you and what the different steps are. But if you could offer some advice for entrepreneurs who want to put together a really strong team.
2: Yeah, I think I think there's two pieces to this, because, again, like my company is fairly new, so I couldn't point to our, you know, our super successful track record. Um, but there's there's I think two, maybe three pieces that are really key. Number one is writing a great job ad and not even a job ad. Like I have a page on my website that says join our team and I describe kind of my vision for the company and the kind of people I'm looking for and one of the big things I'm putting out there is you know I have this mantra around the office of no boring books right it's no boring books and uh, you know that's number one and number two is actually it's probably in the other way number one is we're focused on our client's goals so it's not about making a client a bestseller it's about making sure their book gets in the right hands so they achieve their business goals with that book sometimes that means selling a whole bunch but sometimes it just means getting it in front of that person who can turn it into to a TV deal or a movie deal. So everybody has different goals. So that's number one. And number two is no boring books. And I communicated that, I think, very clearly. I've co- I've done a lot of copywriting in the past. I've taken a lot of copywriting training. So I think that that was communicated. Everybody I talked to was so excited about working for my company, And it comes from that, the website and that page. So I think that's really important is that join your team page needs to get people pumped up about what you're doing and and have them, give them something that they can buy into. The next piece that was fortunate for me that may not be the case for others is I'm hiring a lot of people who are traditionally freelancers, editors, even the writing coach. You know, he's been working as a freelancer in so many capacities, um, and, uh, and my PR person and, and the person who came on as a client care person, she's worked as, you know, helping people through the whole publishing process uh, on, they've all been working freelance or didn't have a lot of job stability. And when you offer job stability to a freelancer, who's, you know, tired of always having to hunt for their next job, um, it's a big win, because I can get people at a more affordable rate than somebody else can go and hire them off the street, because they've got consistent work. And they're now they've now got stability and healthcare and all these kind of things that they didn't have before for. And of course, the third thing is just creating that culture of, you know, I care a lot about people. I care tremendously about clients. And for some people, that's what they want. They want somebody that will listen to their ideas, will, will care about the fact that they might, you know, might need a day off for their kids or their all these, you know, I care about people's lives and I'm not going to make somebody work 40 hours a week, you know, when they really want to have a flexible environment where they can work, they can work 30 so they can walk their kid to school and pick their kid up. You know, for me, it's about the best people and making sure they're happy and, that helps a lot too.
1: And yourself personally, you come from that perspective of wellness, taking a look at, like you said, what your lifestyle goals are, what your priorities are and designing your work life around that such that you're also able to support that in others and the people that you collaborate with as clients and also as business partners.
2: Exactly. And I mean, I'm not going and I as as I always tell my team, I'm never going to ask you to do something that I would never do. You know, I wouldn't sacrifice my health or my family for a job. So I'm not going to ask anybody else to do that. And I do believe that, you know, if you tell people, it doesn't really matter how many work, you know, how many hours you work in a day, what matters is the result. And I mean it. Um, I never check in, like, I'm not worried about whether they're working nine to five, I'm worried about whether they got the result for the client, and that's that is all that matters to me, uh, and and I think that's a very important focus. Like some people get really hung up on the hours that are getting worked when when the hours don't matter. It's what's getting done.
1: I think also, Julie, what's impressive as I'm listening to you is how well you're able to identify and engage your talents. Right, so many of us have talents that we just don't use, and it's just like you said, you went to that process where you said, "Wait a minute." The self-publishing, I did it really well. The real estate, I did it really well. This is what people are coming to me and asking me about. So those are obvious choices in terms of building a career that will wind up working for itself, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but I think also it's because I'm, you know, I, I'm okay to make a mess, and so I'm okay to dive into things and and see if I like it. Like some people get stuck into into one thing because they are afraid to make a mess of things and find out they don't like something or they're not good at it. And generally, I'm not I'm not afraid to try. So that I think allows you to discover skills and identify things that you're better at than others and things that you enjoy more than others too.
1: It sounds like it's also a really important point that you're making. As opposed to looking at something as having been a bad decision on your part and feeling down on yourself about it, you can look at it as, I'm going to just jump into this experience and see what it's about and see how it goes. And if it's not something that winds up working out, then I'll jump into something else that seems interesting to me.
2: Yeah, I always look at it, my perspective is if something doesn't work out very well, I'm like, well, that'll make a good chapter in my next book.
1: Fabulous. You're integrating it as a part of the value that you bring to other people, what it is that you can offer them that was a learning moment for you that could be the same for them.
2: Well, exactly. Nobody wants to learn from somebody who's like, yeah, I was born perfect and everything's been perfect and everything's gone great, right? Nobody wants to hear from that person because that's not real. So they want to hear from the person who's like, man, I made a huge mess of this, but you know what? It turned out okay because I did this, this, and this then they can relate and they can feel it. And, you know, that's why I always tell my clients, you don't, some clients come to me and they're like, well, I'm worried about, you know, I don't know if I've done enough. And I I go, well, do you have a unique perspective? And we kind of dive into it. And the best stories come out of those people who are like, I haven't figured it all out. I'm like, fantastic, because nobody has.
1: (laughs) I recall having a question like that when I was being interviewed on a podcast. And the question had to do with entrepreneurs kind of feeling like they're faking it that's anyone right in any experience that you're in there's an aspect that you don't feel comfortable with or that you haven't had solid experience with or that's just like your newborn baby and so it's more how you look at that that seems to be your point
2: exactly cuz there's always somebody that's going to be better smarter you know more experienced like I mean, there's probably, there's going to be one or two people out there that might be able to say, I am the absolute most knowledgeable, the best, you know, but that's so rare. Like, you know, there's always people that are... I don't want to say better than you, but you know what I'm saying. And, and and it doesn't, that doesn't matter. It's about how you position yourself. And if, if you're not standing at the top of the hill going, I'm the best, then people aren't going to necessarily expect you to be the best. They're going to come at you like, what can I learn from you? What can I gain from this book? What can I gain from, you know, your story? And when you offer it as what, what value you have to others, you don't have to be the absolute best in the entire world at what you're talking about. You just have to have that value that somebody else is going to benefit from learning from.
1: And sometimes the value actually is in sharing your pain points, as you were saying that you had shared the experiences that you went through that you felt didn't work out, that others can learn from it because they're so relatable.
2: Yeah. And story gets its power from the the negative. So, if you are skipping the negative or there isn't negative, then your story doesn't have energy and you're book boring. And again, this is one of our mantras is no boring books. So, if you really want a great book, there has to be some negative energy. There has to be some of that negative emotion. Because, I mean, just look at every movie, right? It's not all rainbows and roses through the the whole movie. I mean, a lot of times the movie opens up and it's like complete, like the world is ending, right? It's in the middle of the alien's landing or it's in the middle of a car crash crash or something something negative is usually happening a fight you know the boyfriend and the girlfriend are breaking up and and that's because that's where the immediate energy and attention comes from and so you need that you need to tell people hey i've really made a mess of this and and start off there because that's going to get the attention and really build the energy for your story in your book
1: so we have some great advice already about writing a book i'd love to hear more about the process if someone worked with you and your team What are the different steps you go through and what are the parts that you help with?
2: Yeah, you bet. So a little bit of it depends. what I mean by that is it depends on, you know, what you want to do and what you already have access to, but everybody starts with a writing coach. Uh, So, most people will talk to me first and we'll explore your idea and make sure that we're a good fit. Um, but after that, once you're a client, you'll start with the writing coach. Even if you've got a finished draft of a manuscript, you'd start with the writing coach because we want to make sure your book has a fantastic hook. Because the number one thing with writing a book is making sure that you have a very clear audience. So who, who is the ideal reader for this book? What's your goal for this book? which is not just about, um, you know, not just about being a bestseller, but what are you really driving for in your business? Or like I said, I kind of alluded to, we have a client that's pursuing a TV or a movie deal. We have another client who uh, her focus is to become a, a paid speaker. You know, so these are some of the goals of these books. So You want to figure out what's that goal of your book. And and then finally, you want to make sure you have a great hook. And that hook is partly in how you define yourself. So what makes you unique in this space? Not, not the best, but what makes you unique? Um, you know, what's that perspective that you offer? And then, of course, what's that That thing that's going to make people have to read your book right now. Because a lot of people will go, Oh yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'll, I have to read that book, but that's like a someday. And you need, you need somebody to be like, I need your book right now. So that's what a good hook is. So the writing coach is going to dive in and make sure that you've got all those pieces right at the start. And, and from there, depending on what path you're going to take, you'll go two different, uh, maybe three, I'll call it three different routes. So, path one is you're writing the book yourself. And so, the writing coach will work with you to outline the book and then coach you through each chapter. And usually what happens is you get one chapter done and that becomes your template. And from there, you kind of write every chapter. And the, the writing coach, you know, coaches you. He's, you know, he always jokes he's one part uh, psychologist, one part writing coach because he coaches you through the highs and the lows of writing as well as coaching you on your writing and making sure you're writing good stories and kind of guiding um, what needs to be added what needs to be taken out so that's one option the other two is working with one of our writers to help you one of them is like a full the, the writer will interview you and fill in the gaps of the outline um and really just draw the book out of you. Um, So there'll be, it's kind of a full ghost, write. But people, some people are like, well, isn't that cheating? I'm like, it's not, because we're really trying to capture your voice, we're capturing your stories. This book could not exist without you. The writer is just a tool to get it out. Um, The other option is what we call an assist. And so if you have existing content, so you've been podcasting or you've been blogging, and you've got a lot of content already, you know, our writer will, once the writing code coach has worked with you to kind of determine that outline and what content should go in there, our writer will take it and sew it all together from there. And then we'll edit it. We have uh, multiple editors. We put it through a content edit. So that's the 30,000 foot view of your book. And then we run it through a couple rounds of copy editing to make sure it flows. You've got good grammar. And then we proofread it. And then we do an an interior uh, designs, the interior and, and and it's really to make it fit with your subject. It's not a template. We want to make sure this book is as good as any New York Times best-selling book. So you want it to be really well styled, have a good experience when they're reading it in an ebook or in a print book. Um, then we do cover design, and the cover design. There's two things we want you to like it. About 40% of our priority is that you like it, but 60% of our priority is that it's going to stand out in a thumbnail. So those are really what we're going for, because you know, eight, more than 80% of your sales. Book sales are probably going to be online or in the back of a room kind of scenario. So most of the time, you really need it to stand out in a thumbnail. So that's what we're going to work towards. And then after that, we work on launch. And there's so many different ways to approach a book launch that we we really try to customize it and use our team to market with you to get your book out into the people that need to see it.
1: So you really have a process that seems like it would be a relief for a lot of people because you're covering start to
2: finish. Yeah, I started a company that I would have hired. Because when I self-published, I spent probably a hundred plus hours just figuring out how to handle all the pieces because you, you think because um, I had to hire the different editors I had to hire the interior layout person I had to hire the cover designer and then I had to figure out okay how do I get this thing into bookstores how do I get this thing onto Amazon and all those pieces there's so many little decisions there's like little things okay what about um, do I put it in the Kindle Unlimited program do I you know do I, you know how do I do I need to check returnable or what about return and destroy or return to author there's so many Many little decisions and you have to research every one of them and it's annoying (laughs) and so if I could just have somebody that would say okay well this is what we recommend here's why and, and and kind of walk me through the whole thing and do a lot of it for me uh you know that would save me all these wasted hours that you know I don't need to learn this stuff if I'm only doing it once or twice in my life I'd rather somebody else do it. And, and so that's really why I started the company in, in this regard. I created the company that I would have hired. I know busy entrepreneurs and professionals need um, in order to get a book out into the world and have it be the best possible book that they can put out there.
1: That's maybe the most important endorsement every entrepreneur needs. You need to have your own endorsement of your services. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Again, I think sometimes sometimes it's not a good idea to create a company, but I think I am my target market. Um, you know, an entrepreneur, a professional, somebody who wants to be known as an expert, you know, get paid speaking, all those kind of things. Those are a lot of the reasons why I wrote books. And um, so, yeah, I think I really did start a company that I would hire. And I think I, you know, people like me are my target market. So I think it's okay.
1: <laughs> and you started responding to my next question, which is, for those who are listening who feel very intrigued because they've been thinking about writing a book and just haven't gotten it in motion yet how would you describe the clients who you think are ideal for your services
2: The best people are ready to take action because that's the the hardest part is people who are like ah I think I want to write a book and and if you if you're not ready to commit to it it's it's just not going to work like you have to say okay i'm going to do this because there's a little bit of pain involved like even with all of the stuff we do to make it easier there's still pain there's still doubt (laughs) there's still all these things that come up for you so you have to be ready to commit to it and go for it that's really number one number two is to have a a goal um, because we'll help you figure out how to sell books we'll help you create a great book that you're proud of that should market well but Your goal probably shouldn't be to make money on the book sales. You, you can, and I've made, I've made, uh, more than six figures on my book sales from just the book sales alone. But that isn't the real benefit. The real benefit comes from all those other things that your book will do for you: getting media, getting new clients, like I said, paid speaking gigs, uh, adding a zero to your consulting fee. Uh, after my first book came out, we raised millions of dollars from people we'd never met for our real estate deals because they read the book and they called us up and they said, "Hey, I read your book. Sound, you know, I like I like what you're talking about. You know, I have money. I'd like to put in real estate. Can I invest with you guys?" So we had lots of unsolicited calls to the point where we actually had to say to people, "No." I'm Sorry, like our existing partners are waiting for our next deal. We just don't have enough deal flow um, to fund or to to do, you know, to bring another partner on. So it's a great problem to have. Our courses and training, we started filling them months before we actually were launching things because we had a great name as a result of the book. So if you've got those kind of a reasons for a book, um, it makes it so much easier to create a massive success story. And and a book will make a huge, a huge, huge, huge difference if you write the right book. And so those are the kind of people that are are fantastic for us to work with. But we do have some people doing legacy books. Um, So we have one person writing a memoir, a family memoir, and another one writing a book about her mom. And they're coming into it with a different mindset. So uh, we have a lot of different people. The big thing is nonfiction, and they're ready to go.
1: So it seems like from the standpoint of entrepreneurial best practices, you're really emphasizing using a strategic cap when you're looking at creating a book, and it can serve various streams of income.
2: Yeah, because that's how you 10x like, you know, you put say $10,000 into a book, you know, you can get a $100,000 return on it in a couple of years quite easily. If you have a business intention, and you really set the book up to be that gateway to whatever it is for that business. Where people go wrong is they write a book and then they try to force that book into their business after the fact. Um, and if they haven't strategically planned out their marketing and what the book is going to do for them from the start, then it, it tends to be those people that come to us saying my book's not selling or this isn't working, what can I do? do. And at that point, you know, it's like we have to go back to the beginning and really kind of rethink the goals. So yeah, I think the more strategic you are, the more success you'll create and the happier you will be uh, that you've done this. But you know, I've never written, I've never met a person who says, oh, I regret that I wrote a book. You know, there's people that may regret that they didn't invest in it or they didn't do certain things properly or well. Um, But you know, I think more people regret not writing it than, than writing it. So you can't worry about getting it perfect either.
1: It sounds like a chicken and egg scenario also because you ask yourself, does your professional experience define the book or could the book actually open up new gateways for you in terms of your business?
2: The book is a great opportunity. So I I do have some people that are newer to their industry and they're like, I still want this book to position myself. And what a perfect opportunity to reach out to the best people in your industry, interview them, and start to build relationships. Because if you're writing a book and you're like you contact somebody, they're a lot more likely to talk to you than if you say, Hey, can I take you out for a coffee and pick your brain? But if you say, hey, I'm writing a book, can I have 15 minutes to interview you on a couple of the things that have made you one of the best in the industry? And a lot of people are going to say yes, and you'll get connections with people you never would have had connections to before.
1: So a couple of practical questions, and then I want to also offer an opportunity for you to share a wonderful free resource for listeners. Just in terms of the time frame, if we look at resource investment involved in writing a book and working with your team, can you offer a ballpark? of the timeline of your ideal client in terms of actually from start to finish producing that book. And then also, I'm not sure how much you want to say about costs, but whatever it is that you'd want to say.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, I'm complete. I'm very transparent. I have the costs on our website. Uh, I really try to keep it quite open. Um, We're also we're also more affordable than all the options out there that are very similar, you know, that produce the same kind of quality as we do. We are slightly better priced than all of them. So I'm totally open with costs because that's one of our advantages. But timeline into 15 months, people can go faster, but most don't, um, just because there is a lot of thinking involved. And when you're busy with your business, it can be hard to kind of take the time to think and Process what the editors say and process what the writing coach says. So it does take about nine to fifteen months typically, and that that does allow for a few months to get ready for launch in that timeframe. So that's typical. Um, pricing wise, it does depend. If you go the ghostwriter route, um, it, it will be more, and I won't say specific prices just because you know if somebody's listening to this in two years, the pricing will absolutely be different. But, uh, you can find it all on our website. Like I said, it's all distinctly there. But, um, to give you kind of a sense of if you're writing the book yourself, uh, you know, if you go out and you hire all the people that we would offer you and not even including that writing coach, you're looking at somewhere between six to $10,000 to produce a high quality book, um, that's very well edited, very well designed. Um, and that doesn't include marketing. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where you'll land. Uh, you'll, when you work with us, because I said, as I mentioned, we uh, hire people for less than what you get them as a freelancer, it should be a little bit less, but we're membership based. So how it works is uh, as long as you're a member, one of our professionals works on your book. So the faster you go, the cheaper it is, but also you have full support. Like we have, you have a project manager on your book all the time. And in the beginning, the writing coach is coaching you and supporting through everything. So you you always have somebody checking in and pushing you along. And you always have that support and somebody can always be working on your book. So your book is always moving forward uh, no matter what, which I think is very useful. Be the CEO of your book business and and don't be the one that has to do everything for your book.
1: Along the lines of your encouragement to jump in for those who are listening and thinking that they may not be ready for that nine to 15 months timeline, there's a continuum that you invite people to join you on because I downloaded this free copy of your book selling game plan, eight ways to sell a thousand books for less than a hundred dollars. It was interesting to receive the series of emails that you send out. So both from the standpoint of how you conduct your business as an entrepreneur and also from the perspective of someone who's interested in writing a book and getting it published and sold. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. First, the resource that you're offering free of charge and the process that you take folks through before they're even jumping into your services.
2: Yeah, you bet. So, the resource is actually the ways that I used uh, to get my book to number one overall. So, people are always quite surprised when I tell them that I spent zero dollars on marketing. Um, the hundred, the less than $100 is actually just a couple of event posters that I had made up. So, that's it. Um, uh, there was no money spent on the marketing to sell thousands and thousands of copies to go to number one overall on Amazon. Um, it is those eight ways that are detailed in that, in that uh, download you're talking about. And you can get that at booklaunchers.com forward slash sell books. And, uh, and so that's, and that's really the cool part about this is, is uh, you can sell a lot of books um, with a little bit of elbow grease, so to speak, uh, and some good brainstorming, which is something our team will help with for sure on both sides, the elbow grease and the brainstorming. So, the other piece is that, yeah, I want to help anybody that wants to self-publish, not just the people who decide to retain us. So, what I do is, yeah, we've got a newsletter. It comes out twice a month and I give, you know, the best tips that I've got going on at the time or that I hear about or things like that. And I also produce a lot of videos. And one thing you can do that would be really helpful is go to my YouTube channel and subscribe to the channel. It's booklaunchers.tv or just search booklaunchers on YouTube. And I produce a new video every week with tips. And if you ever have questions, you can always post them in YouTube. I hang out in YouTube a lot answering questions. So that's the best place for me to support you if you're not one of our clients and, uh, and ask questions. And I just might shoot a video to answer your question. YouTube's kind of a passion project. I love it. And I want to be able to help as many people write and publish and sell their books as possible.
1: I think you offer such an incredible example, Julie, and I encourage listeners to jump into the process by engaging the resources that you have made available. If folks are interested in looking into collaborating with you and your team to write, publish and sell a book, what's the best way for them to reach out?
2: The best thing to do to get the whole process going is on our website in multiple places, there's a form that says apply now, Um, fill out some details. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just give us a sense of why you'd be writing a book and what the topic is. And then you and I'll hop on a call and we'll just do a little bit of an exploratory session. That's the best way. You can also just hit reply or fill out the contact form on our website. But most of the time, we'll just direct you to fill out that form anyways. So that would be the best way to get a conversation going and find out if we're a fit to work together. And uh, I will tell you, you know, I do turn people away uh, because at the end of the day, I'm again, our mantra is about creating phenomenal client success stories. And uh, is about no boring books. So we, we do turn people away, although I'm always kind when I do it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is about that fit. So I'm only going to say, you know, yep, we can help you. I'd love to help you if it is a great fit. And we think we can create a great client success story from your book idea.
1: And that in and of itself is a great learning experience and a, and a gift that you offer people if you tell them that it's not a good fit to work together because it gives them an experience of direction. Or just food for thought in terms of going back to their idea and refining it?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't. I, I, I've never had anybody say thank you for rejecting me. But usually I'm, usually if you're coming to me just with an idea, we can work with you to develop it into something. Um, it's very rare that my writing coach goes, mm, there's no book here. It's, it's so rare. Because almost everybody has a lot of cool stories and experiences that can make a great book. Um, where we really turn a lot of people away is when they come to us with a finished book and they're not willing to go back and make changes to make it something that will sell. Um, and it's tough because I'm kind of like, well, your book isn't selling. So there's some really important reasons why it's not selling, and it's not the fact that you haven't put the right Facebook ad out there. You know, it's it really comes back to the hook of the book, the cover, uh, that you know what you've called it, and the table of contents inside, and if if you won't go back and make those changes, then I'm not going to take you on because you're, you're wasting your money. And, and I don't want anybody leaving going, oh, book launchers did nothing for me. So I really want people to be like, wow, like, you know, I'm, I've done so well thanks to book launchers. So it doesn't do us any good to take on clients that we can't, you know, turn into success stories.
1: So you're offering really incredible business and marketing expertise in what you do because you've traveled this path and you know what has worked well and you've worked with so many people to help them succeed.
2: Yeah. And the people on my team have too, because it's not just me making these decisions. I always forward it around to, you know, the people on the team and I go, okay, what can we do with this? And, you know, everybody gives me suggestions and we'll give them to the potential client and it's up to them to decide whether they want to work with us to do it or they're going to go try to do it on their own or they're just going to leave it and carry on with their life and not make the changes.
1: Well, I want to thank you for all that you have contributed to the show and then also for the work that you do to help people to recognize the incredible stories that they have, be able to tell them effectively and also be able to sell their book. Congratulations on that.
2: Well, thank you. And thanks so much for having me on your show.
1: It's been a treat. And I want to invite listeners, if you have comments or unanswered questions about today's episode, I welcome you to share them by emailing me at hosthemda at gmail.com. You can also share comments and questions by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Life and Career Choices. As always, until next time, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Turn the Page. Turn the Page is sponsored in part by Life and Career Choices, Inc., Host Hemda Mizrahi invites you to email her at hosthemda at gmail.com to explore becoming a sponsor or affiliate of the show. Until next time, make one change that will benefit your life and your business.